Welcome to the Mission 300 podcast as we journey into the realities of who our Father is and who we are to Him. We've been discussing identity, and a couple episodes ago we discussed the Father calling out a son and how a Father, our Heavenly Father, is pursuing us to call us out, and He goes into our life to bring us up into His. But it's an elevation from one place into another that we get to be joined with Him and have fellowship with Him, and He wants to share all that he has, and bestow it over to us. And in the second episode, we discussed the three main components that are given when we are given our identity, and that's a name, inheritance, and a charge. And we discussed the the name and the inheritance, and it's for his namesake that we come under his name. And we just discussed inheritance of all the resources and his spirit that is given to us to reveal his ideas, his wisdom, his thoughts, and having all the supply to accomplish everything that we are created and put on this earth to do. Now, we weren't put on this earth to do just service and just to do become workers of his. That's what a servant does. But Jesus says, I no longer call you servant. I call you friends because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But friends, I've revealed everything to you. So keep in mind, our relationship now has changed. But there is something that in the relationship, there is a responsibility and ownership of this new role that we want to bring out, that we want to contribute in order to affect our Father's kingdom. So it becomes a natural outflow to want to take responsibility and do something with what has been given to us. And so the first part is what's been given to us. The second part is something that is given to us as well, as well but it reveals the, the role and the responsibility of what we're to do. And again, I'm, I had wrestled around with this idea for, for a while of how to best communicate this because from grace, I've been free from the law. I've been freed from the works of the law. And so all of a sudden now I'm talking about a charge that is another area of responsibility, a command, a, a set of standards that my role and who I am in this world entails, but it's no longer coming from a slave mentality. You see, a slave is being forced to do something that is not their real identity. They're being forced into a, from another person's identity to accomplish something, but it's not their identity. It is based on fear and manipulation to keep them in that place. Whereas a son, they do things out of the outflow of what they are, out of what they've been given and, and who they are. So even though they might be doing similar work, the motives behind it are radically different. So I want you to understand Everything we talk about has to come from a point of grace, understanding his love for us, understanding his passion for us, understanding his forgiveness of us, understanding his mercy of us. All those things lift us up into a position that we are free from the entanglements of the slavery mentality that we were once a part of, that now we're free to rule and reign with him. But now our hearts are craving a new responsibility. I had coached uh, high school soccer for a long time and and. It was interesting watching players that if I have someone come onto the team and I endear them and they, I make them a part of the team and I pick them to be a part of the team and, and I choose them just like Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. So I'm choosing them to be a part of this team. Oh, P.S., isn't it great that God has opened it up to choose everybody? It's just whether we receive it or not. But back to the story. So we, it, um, I choose this player. 
So I'm naming him. You're part of the team. Then I give him the training. I give him the resources. I give him the uniform. I give him the, the support, everything he's needed to do his job on the field. So he's equipped and he has a name. But I never give him responsibility. I never give him the charge. And after a while, he'll sit and stare at me on the sidelines and say, coach, why can't I play? How come you're not putting me in, coach? Coach, I want to play. And I say, well, <clears throat> we're going against an opponent, and I just want you safe, and I, I, it just, just watch. Just, you don't need the responsibility. Just sit on the sideline. After a while, he'll quit performing. He'll quit wanting to be on the team, and eventually he'll check out. You see, the charge... The responsibility provokes trust. It says the coach trusts you. It provokes honor. It, provo it provokes belief. It says, I believe in you. It provokes confidence, which means I trust you to do your job. And so a player will sit and they'll bug me and they'll say, coach, when do I get to go in? What do I have to do to get in? And so I put the player in and let's say I'm doing a substitution and I put the player on the field and I say, hey, before you go, here's what I need you to do. And I give him a set of instructions to change the tactics of the game. I give him a specific assignment that will change the flow of the game that as a team we can win or we can combat what the opponent is doing to us. So he goes in and executes and he may make mistakes, but if I'm for him, if he knows I'm behind him, he'll look to the sideline. I'm like, I'm not pulling you out. Just keep going. You got to work this through. You'll get it. You'll get it. Keep going. What am I doing? I'm building confidence. And he may not get it right away and he may make some mistakes, but I see it in him. And so I have to get him into the game to, to play. I have to get him into that responsibility to discover what he can do. And in time, he ends up doing it. And it changes the scope of the game. But what's happening? He's been given a responsibility. He's given this, this, this charge to go do. And I was thinking from King David when he was passing on his kingdom over to Solomon. He has everybody there and he says this to Solomon. He gives him his charge. And it's in 1 Chronicles 28 verse 9. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. So the first thing was know the God of your father. See, because if you know your father, and in this case, the God of David's father. So Solomon, if you know my God, if you know him like I know him, you'll discover yourself and serve him with a loyal heart be, and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all the hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. Of the thoughts. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Consider now the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. And don't get caught up. We don't have time in this podcast to go over this. But there is this thing. You either serve me or you don't. If you don't, I cast you off. But there is, there's more to it than that. And Jesus paid for most of this price. And so that's, don't get caught up in the technical verse of, oh, I betrayed God today, so therefore he's going to kick me out. It is not like that. It's the spirit behind it. But we're going to cover that in later podcasts. Then go on to verse 20. And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work of the service of the house of the Lord. So Solomon is put aside and he's given this responsibility. But I love this. 
David said to the assembly afterwards in, cha- in t- chapter 29, verse 1, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now for the, Then he goes on, now for the house of my God, and he starts listing all of the resources that have been prepared, all the gold, all the plans, all everything necessary to put the temple together, David had already prepared everything. And he was basically saying, help Solomon. See, I think this is great. Solomon is be- being put in charge of something, but he didn't have all the experience. He didn't have all the, the natural things to make it happen, but he had the heart to make it happen. And so he began to grow and the people came around him and they began to see what, what David saw in him and they began seeing what God saw in him and Solomon came to be known as the wisest man. But he had to grow in all those things. No different than Jesus said, it says that Jesus grew in grace with God and man. So Jesus even was growing in his role and his position. So when you're given a charge, it is an expectation on who you are, but there's a deep understanding that God is working with you to bring those things to pass. And in John, when he gives us a charge uh, to, to love your neighbor, to, to, to love the brotherhood, And he says, greater love is no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. If you put that on yourself and you charge your old identity with the idea of having to love the way God expects you to love, you will fail miserably. It would be impossible for you to accomplish that. But the verses before say, you're the branch or you're the vine. I am the branch. I'm going to flow through you. So when we step into our position of who we are, and we step into the inheritance and receive it with open arms, what's been given to us. Then we step out in the charge. It is our Father's Spirit that is working through us to accomplish these things. So it is not in your old nature's strength to make it happen. It is in your new spirit of identity that it flows because to a slave, it is burdensome because it's not natural. But if the Word of God has been written in your heart, it is a natural outflow, just like for an athlete or a, I'm a big soccer football fan, for, for a soccer player, a top soccer player to get out and play and do what they do, it just becomes natural because they've been doing it for so long. It's what they do. It is second nature to them. It's become one with them. And I like this, you know, in Jesus was given a charge in uh, Luke chapter 4. And he just comes out of the wilderness being tempted where the enemy was trying to strip him of his identity, but he withheld and and stayed true to who he was and declared, this is who I am. And it says in verse 18, so he comes into the temple, sits down, and in verse 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it to the attendant. And in verse 21, he said, today this is fulfilled. What was that? That was Jesus' charge. He was charged with this because of who he was. In the wilderness, he's being challenged with who he is. Now he's knows who he is, and now this is the charge of what he's going to go do, and his ministry begins. The outflow of what he is to the world around you, or to the world around him. See, the charge is your the outflow of what you are and what you have to the world around you. 
And so even though it feels like there's more rules and there's all these things that you can't do in yourself, you can't do it in your old self. We do it from our new self and our new position and it becomes a natural outflow of us. You know, Jesus walks his whole journey, he grows, and he came to this point of a crescendo. And in the garden, it was the pivotal point where he's praying and he's saying, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he's sweating drops of blood in agony and torment because he has to step fully into the thing that he was put on this earth to do. And that was to go to the cross, die for us, and re- take, the, take the sacrifice for all that we had done in order for us to come into that kingdom. So he's toiling over this thing, but he's telling himself, not my will but yours be done. I'm letting go of my way. Because one at one point he asked, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. He was looking for any other possibility to do this, but instead he took the Father's will. And I believe this was the biggest turning point. This was the place where he came to the maximum point of owning who he was. Now, I, I'm, I'm being technical here, so don't give me a theological debate. I'm just looking at a pattern because Scripture says that we look to Jesus as an example, and he grew in grace, and he grew in, in, in strength. And so I think it's very interesting that Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness or out of that time of prayer, and he comes down the hill, and the soldiers were waiting to take him captive. And they said, we're looking for Jesus. And he says this in John 18, 6, I am, or I am he. See, he was saying, I am the one that you're looking for. I am the embodiment of everything that the Father created me to be. And they said that they fell down. They couldn't even stand in his presence. This is amazing. He declares who he is and they couldn't even stand. See, at this point, He was in absolute control over the rest of his future. Man wasn't putting him on the cross. He was choosing to go to the cross. Even Pontius Pilate says, don't you know what I could do? And Jesus says, you can't do anything unless my father lets you do it. He was in absolute control of his situation and choosing to lay down his life. And I think this was really amazing and and telling is that when he came to the point where it's not my will, but yours, he owned the Father's will to the maximum capacity. He owned it. And see, it's just like even with, and, and look what happened. He walked from the point of, I am, I am, I am, which he always was. And we saw a picture of that going on, but this was the fulfillment of that place. We can see examples of this in other areas too, like a Navy SEAL is someone who's been in the military, they've, they've, they've come into the military service, and now they say, I want to become a Navy SEAL. Or people come from the outside to become a Navy SEAL. It is such a high-regarded position that is very elite, only a few make it through. And here's their creed. I will never quit. I persevere and thrive on adversity. My nation expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining resource of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I am never out of the fight. We demand discipline. We expect innovation. The lives of my teammates and the success of our mission depend on it and depend on me. My technical skill, tactical proficiency, and attention to detail, my training is never complete. And I want you to, that was just an excerpt from their whole creed, but I want you to catch that. This is what I am. 
And it says once they get the, 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 uh, the trident on their uniform, it is something that makes them elite. Now, it doesn't make them elite in the sense that they're better than someone else. They're elite in the sense because they've been invited into something different. Different resources, different responsibility, different name. But this is something that they own. And when they begin saying, this is me, they have taken ownership of that role. You won't be able to separate them from that role. It is what they are. So their natural outflow is to, you're never out of the fight, so they're always looking for a solution. They will always use every ounce of their strength to protect their teammates. They will always go do everything they can to accomplish the mission that's been given to them. They, they, ex, they have an expectation on them to be this, and they begin living it out. And there's so many examples of heroic Navy SEALs and other military people that share a similar type of creed and camaraderie. But it was interesting in watching them. A group of them were discussing how when people ask them to come in, how when people say, how do you become a Navy SEAL? How, what's the best training? How do I best prepare for it? How do I best do this? And they all came to this conclusion, the number one attitude that has to be a part of coming in because it is the main reason they have the hell week and the very intense, painful, hellish thing they need to go through to become a Navy SEAL is go in with the attitude, my role is to help my teammates succeed. Don't go in that I'm going to succeed. I'm going to do this. I'm going to accomplish this. Because that is a selfish, self-focused, self-elevating attitude. Now, interesting though, I just read their, their creed is I, I, I. But it's a different kind of I. It's an I in their name. My namesake I, a Navy SEAL, will never quit. I, a Navy SEAL, will persevere and thrive on adversity. I, a Navy SEAL, if knocked down, will get back up every time. I, a Navy SEAL, will draw on every remaining ounce of strength. When they first were going in, it was I and that person's name. I and that person's name. It's completely different. This I is dealing with their namesake. The I going into the buds was dealing with their individual name who they think they were in their own self-identity. And by the time they get through buds, their old identity, not their personality, not the things that make them unique, but their I is stripped away and a new I is given. And that is what the charge does. That is, that is part of the most important part of the charge is it's the sense of trust. And it's part of the reason in modern world, why we struggle with who we are. What am I? What about my dreams? What about my callings? What about the things that are important to me? If we take on the I in the name of Jesus, do this. Not I, Brian, but I in the name. So I can say I am because I've embraced the idea of the charge given over me. I am this. I am this. I am this. But not I, Brian, I, Brian, in the name of Jesus, am this. The charge is the embracing of the code that corresponds with our name and our inheritance, the code our Father lives by. And as we walk in the love of our Father 
And as we walk in the understanding of our inheritance and his forgiveness, his healing, his deliverance, his redemption, and we start walking in all the resources that my God will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. As we start walking into all the things that have been bestowed on us, this code brings it together. And sometimes it will be hard. Sometimes it will appear like a strong statement, like even, again, when, when Paul tells Timothy, endure hardness as a good soldier. A good soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of this life. He's charging Timothy. And I've read the books, the first and second Timothy, and it's this, this fatherly love towards Timothy. But man, some of the things that he's being told to do are almost impossible to live by. And it, it's tough and he has everything against him. But Paul is uh, lifting him and strengthening him and reminding him, remember, Timothy, this is who you are. Remember the words that were spoken over you, the, pro- the prophetic words of your identity and who you are. Remember them that you can war a good warfare. Because here's the reality. Until Jesus returns again, you live in a world that's at war. The enemy doesn't want to, he's been defeated, but it doesn't mean that he wants to give up anything. It doesn't mean that his systems of the world aren't still in play that we wrestle against. It doesn't mean that there isn't problems here on this earth that God never brought in, the enemy brought in, that came through the fall. And so now we're walking out this kingdom and he's, God is working in us, placing us in places to bring life and goodness and wholeness because of his life flowing in through us. But that's the charge. The charge is we got to go step into some of these areas. And he's going to put us in a couple, some of these areas that our old man couldn't have done, our old nature couldn't have handled. But remember, you're not your old nature anymore. I am. And put his name there. I am the son of God. I am the heir with Jesus Christ. That's the person that is going to be walking these things out. And it will become a joy as a king enjoys ruling his kingdom, a good, just king, how much more do we begin enjoying the things we, we go do, even though there's a sense of pressure and resistance against everything we do? A great modern-day example to close with on this podcast is a great modern-day example, and I recommend you go reading his writings that he wrote about love and dealing with life and, and how he lived this out. And the end of his whole life was, a, was an, a, a really a great picture of someone who's lived out what he believed. And some people like to go find little flaws in him, but, I, but this isn't what we look at. We look at who he is and how fa- the Father sees him. Martin Luther King Jr., was, had, had an amazing, amazing revelation of the love of God and how to deal with problems by the love of God and how to deal with problems through forgiveness and how to deal with problems by looking at people as God the Father would look at people. And he said, I'm ne- I, I never operate in hate. I don't hate anyone. I hate the systems that are behind people, but I don't hate anyone. I'm not against any individual. And he said this as far as taking on your identity. He said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I think that's just an amazing picture to see. See, he also went on to say that everyone can be great because anybody can serve. 
You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love to serve. That's what makes you great. See, your charge is an act of service towards other people that God has already bestowed on you. That's how we can love. That's how we can forgive. That's how we can have mercy. That's how we could stand in the face of opposition. That's how we can bring out the kingdom of God to the world around us because we're operating through what he's already given to us and we're just allowing it to flow out. Well, we're going to have to wrap up this podcast. I ask you to uh, check out the next one. We'll be doing a discussion on this to get into more details. Have a great day. We'll see you back for the next podcast.